you would grab your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 15. Last week we spoke about the, the wonderful uh, redemption story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. In that story we heard of how Moses stretched his hand out over the Red Sea by the power of God and the waters were split as the children of Israel walked out onto dry land all night and Pharaoh was hindered by chasing them because God himself sent an angel of the Lord in, the cl in a cloud of pillar and, and he illuminated one side with light the other side with darkness until Pharaoh stepped out into the very same dry land he thought he could pursue the children of Israel and he thought for sure he would overwhelm them then God closed the water in on the enemies of Israel then God alone receives the glory as we read in Exodus chapter 15 church I want to remind you that you have gone through many battles maybe not had the, the Red Sea split on your behalf physically but I assure you that if we had time tonight to go around this room to have everybody talk about how good God has been to you that we'll be here all night as we recant the years, the days the months where God has held you and hold on to you and keeps you right to the very moment and what happens whenever God delivers someone in a mighty way they go and they sing praises on a Sunday morning I want you to observe as you'll see people gather in this crowd, is, it'll probably triple on a Sunday morning and you'll watch as some people will fold their arms and not sing when brother Danny stands out here and we corporately sing together. However, there are those who will hold their hymnals out in front and they will belt out a beautiful song, a joyful noise into the Lord. Even if it don't sound good or off key, they sing with all their heart because they can't help but sing because they are prone to glorify his name because God has brought them through so much. Amen. Amen. We're going to see in Exodus chapter 15 a song that was sang after this great redemptive work by God. And whenever a child of God or something God has done greatly for his children, they all break out into singing. A good, solid theology. Well, your understanding of who God is and who you are. If you have a good, solid theology, it always reads, reaches into a solid doxology. Theology is the study of God. Doxology is your pronunciation and singing of who God is. Here we see a doxology in chapter 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang the song unto the Lord. Notice in Exodus chapter 15, Moses leads them. Moses and the children of Israel, they sing together the song unto the Lord. They weren't singing it to each other. They were singing it unto God. You heard me say it before here when people leave. I didn't like that song that the choir sang. Well, good. We won't sing it to you. We're singing it to God. I don't like this church the way it is. It's not for you. You is for God. I preached that so hard before people left because they didn't like it because they thought this church was for them. They thought that they should get a members only jacket and say, this church is for me. Everyone should cater to me. That the preacher should be a cosmic bellhop and do everything I wanted. To. He should be my concierge and wipe my nose when I'm sad and make me feel better. That's the job of the preacher. That the preacher should be my bellboy and do whatever I want. No. The preacher is here to equip the saints to tell people about Jesus. Amen. Amen. This church is not for you. There's nothing in it for you. It's for God. Amen. Some people don't like that and it don't go over too well, but it's true. Don't change the fact that this church is for God. The choir is for God. The preaching is for God. It's about Him. You can go to some churches and the preacher talk about himself for the whole hour and a half. You'll know all about that preacher by the time you leave, but you won't know anything about the Bible. 
Let it not be so here at Riverside. Let me decrease that he may increase. That I may be hidden behind the old rugged cross. And all you see is Jesus. Amen. So we hear that, hear that Moses and the children of Israel sang a song unto the Lord. Saying, I will sing to the Lord for he is triumphantly, gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. Here Moses recants and remembers, recounts what God has done, that God has gloriously and triumphantly thrown the rider and the, the horse into the sea. For e Egypt was known for its mighty chariots, its mighty war army. But God, with just a flick of his wrist, takes the mighty war machine of Egypt and drowns them in the Red Sea. Think back, believer, when God, all he did is nod in favor towards you and you walk triumphantly in victory for God has delivered you. We will go walk down memory lane tonight when we will remember where God has brought us. Let's just hope as we're in verse number one that your preacher can get through. I get goosebumps and remember where hence God has brought me. No, no. He didn't save me. I, I wasn't born on Privilege Street. He saved me from the guttermost. People say he saved me to the uttermost. The guttermost. That's where Christ found me. Now we see here that he threw the rider and the horse into the sea. In verse number 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. They run together. If you find tonight you have no song in your heart and your strength is sapped, it's because you're leaning upon your own abilities and your own strength. What can I do in this situation? You can't sing much if you're busy worrying about what you can do. But if you remember what God has done and what He can do, you would have a song in your mouth. Amen. The Lord is my strength and my song. Notice my strength comes from the Lord. Amen. Notice my song comes from the Lord. Tonight, there's so many churches in the greater area here that don't have a song, nor do they have strength. They use every kind of gimmick they could to gather a crowd. Oh, we can gather a crowd here at Riverside. All we got to do is give away food, hot dogs, and money, and gift certificates. We can get a crowd. We can get a crowd. But can we gather the faithful? Amen. Somebody. Here he says, the Lord is my strength. If you find yourself weak tonight, run to the Lord. Amen. If you lack a song, Run to the Lord. Remember Moses and the children of Israel singing this tonight. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. Let's break this verse down even further. He says he has become my salvation. Not only is he my strength. Not only is my source. Not only is he the reason that I stir and awake in the morning and I open my eyes. Not only is he the reason my heart still massages in my chest and keeps me alive. He is my strength. He is my song. And he is my salvation. Amen. For he has redeemed me. Tonight, maybe he didn't redeem you from Pharaoh and the horses, but if we spent time tonight and go around, what did he redeem you from? He redeemed me from Jack Daniels. He redeemed me from anxiety. He redeemed me from fornication, death, hell, and the grave. He redeemed me, my salvation, my strength, and my song. This thing will preach, amen, somebody. He has become my salvation. 
Tonight you might think, well, I saved myself. I picked myself up by my bootstraps. Have you ever tried to pick yourself up by your bootstraps? That's impossible. Your bootstraps hang down and you're standing there. How are you going to pick yourself? Now you can't. It's physically impossible. So it's foolish. And don't even say it again. If for it's the Lord who lifts you up out of the miry clay and sets you on the foundation of Jesus Christ. The Lord is my salvation. He is the one who redeemed me and saved me. And notice Moses continues, this is my God. He lets everybody know what kind of God he is. He says, he is my strength and my song and my salvation. And I will praise him. Notice there's never a praise in anybody's mouth. There's never a praise in their mouth if they don't believe Jesus saved them and helped them. They don't praise him. You can't pay them. To, they might be able to fake it, but truly you can't fake it if he saved you. And He holds you and He's your salvation. If He's your salvation and your strength, if He's your song, you can't keep quiet. Amen. Here He says, He has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise Him. I can't stop talking about how good He's been to me. He's been good to me when I've been bad to myself. He, he watched over me. He kept, he kept me. Here, Moses can't stop writing. He, he can't be quiet. He can't exhaust his grandeur. He can't, he can't, he can't stop. And see, I want you to notice my vocabulary can't even keep up with how grand God is. I was foolish to think when in my early in my preaching career that I can preach so hard it'll make God blush. The only thing I was thinking that God would say, well, Kevin, don't make such a big deal about it. I can't even stand here if I had a thousand and lifetimes and keep preaching about how wonderful he is to even tap into his infinity and his greatness. So God ain't in heaven blushing, going, no, no, don't say that. No, he's saying, keep, keep trying to grasp my greatness. Keep trying to say how wonderful I am. You can't even like, fathom me how great I am. Amen. Amen. As I'm growing, I hope you're growing. Moses says, and I will praise him. He's my father's God. That means I've heard about what my father said about him. But now I've seen what God has done. As he was conceived and brought up there in, in, in Egypt, I'm sure he sat at his father's table and his father told him the story of Jacob and how God chose Jacob even though he was a swindler and he rejected Esau when they're basically twins and there was no reason for him to choose Esau but he did because that's how God works his providence and his might he chooses he's God and he reigns and he sat there and he heard the stories of the grandeur and the wonderfulness of God and now he sees it for himself this mighty God he's experienced him for itself as Moses right here he says he's my father's God and now my God and I will praise him. That's telling you believer tonight that you can't go on your mama's God or your daddy's God. You got to experience him for yourself. You can't get by on Mima and grandma and Medea and all them. You can't get by on their, their faith. You have to experience it for yourself. Amen. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed for man once to die in the judgment. You will stand before God. You yourself. Let's make it personal tonight. You will stand before God and you will give an account for your whole life. Your grandma ain't going to stand there and defend you for she needs a defender herself. Amen. She was banking on Jesus Christ. Who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your last name? Your pedigree? Are you working and believing that you're going to earn your way to heaven by your works? Trust in Jesus tonight. Moses says, it was my father's God, and I will exalt him. Whenever we see the word exalt, we think we take something small, we pick it up off the ground, and we try to make it big. Let's look at it reverse. Moses is trying to tell you how grand and wonderful God is. 
Truly, He's magnificent and overwhelming and He's doing the best He can to communicate to you and I how wonderful He is. Immaculate, great, and mighty God. He's exalting Him. In verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Notice there, the Lord is written in your word, in your scripture, L-O-R-D, and it's all capitalized. Yahweh is the name that's there. In the original text, Yahweh is a man of war. Yahweh is His name. His name. His name is one that's not hidden from us. In the Old Testament, they called Him Yahweh, and the Jews thought He was so holy, they didn't write all the vows out in His name. But now He has revealed His name to His new church in the New Testament, and His name is Jesus. Keep coming on Sundays and you'll see how He equates to Christ and God as same. As God and Jesus Christ are the same, the Holy Spirit, the triune God. He's even present here as we learned last week in Jude chapter number 1 verse number 5 that Jesus brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Verse number 4, Pharaoh's chariots. And his host he cast into the sea. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. You notice here in the 15, this is a song that's to be sang. And this was to be sang in the congregation of the Israelites. They are to sing together this song that Moses has penned. This was before the Ten Commandments were even given. So you might say, we're in the New Covenant. We're under Jesus Christ. Well, songs supersede the law. Songs are to be sang even in the Old Covenant as they sang of a God who redeemed them from, from Egypt. Now in the New Covenant who are under Christ, according to Hebrews chapter 1, 2, and 3, a better covenant of Jesus Christ that we are to still sing. But who do you think will sing with more oomph, more strength, more vocal power. Who, the old covenant or the new? We would sing more greatly. For He has truly redeemed us of death, hell, and the grave. The power of sin does not reign over us because He has extended His mighty arm and saved a people like ourselves. Pharaoh's chariots and His host are cast into the sea. Just like Jesus took my sins and cast them into the sea of forgiveness. Amen, somebody. That's good to me. He cast my sins far from me. He placed him on Christ and crushed him on my account. My sins are reconciled through Jesus Christ. Amen. He cast my sins far from me. Just like he separated Pharaoh from the children of Israel. He crushed Pharaoh and his host of enemies that pursued him in the bottom of the ocean. Just like you, believer, tonight. Your accusers, your sins, and your blots, and your stains, your rebellion, your idol worship is cast into the sea and you are redeemed. Yes. I don't think some of you got it, so we'll just continue tonight. His chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea in verse 4. The elite of Egypt, those who pursued Israel, the very best of the best at the bottom of the sea. Verse 5, the floods cover them. They went into the depths like a stone. I want you to imagine the children of Israel singing this song as they walk along the banks of the Red Sea. 
They're singing the song with all their heart, with tears in their eyes. But do you know what they see beside the pillar of cloud or the fire that burns at night? They look on the banks of the sea and see washing up on the banks their enemies who God crushed on their behalf. So tonight, we may walk the valley of the shadow of death, but notice there are only shadows. There's just a shadow of death. Yes, it's cold and it's dark. But that truly can't harm us. For our God has redeemed us. Amen. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Notice <laughs> in chapter 15 and before Jesus or God splits the Red Sea and calls the children of Israel to walk across on dry land. He could have done that. He could have, he could have allowed the water to stay where it was and have the children of Israel walk across the water. But he decided to split the Red Sea. In the New Testament, Jesus walks on the water because He's the master of all nature. Time, space, continuum. He's God over time. He's God over all things. Amen. Notice, they sank like a stone, but they walked across. Verse number 6, Your right hand, O glorious Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Whatever you're facing tonight. You have within your grasp the greatest arsenal in the history of anything. You have the Lord's great and mighty hand and you have His ear crying to Him. Whatever you're facing, He has a glorious hand of power, His right hand. And verse 7, in the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You set at your fury. It consumes them like stubble. His greatness of His majesty. For we must remember who was the one who was crushed in the Red Sea. It was a simple little man of flesh and bone who thought he was deity. He thought he was God. As he was chasing the children of Israel, behind him were his finest chariots and warriors. They were bearing down on God's children. He was about to consume them. Unless God intervened, they were trapped and God made a way. Have you ever found yourself landlocked, backed into a corner, and the enemies were coming to destroy you. But God made a way. Amen. God provided. God held the door open, kicked a hole in the wall, did something. And God showed up and showed out. Amen. In the greatness of your majesty, He has overthrown His adversaries. He wasn't much of an adversary, that little man, Pharaoh. But in the eyes of the children of Israel, he was considered a God, the most powerful man on the planet who held their freedom in his hand as they were his slaves. In verse 8, at the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up, the floods stood up in the heat, and the deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. Notice in verse 8, as Moses writes, he says that God simply blew his nostrils and caused the waters to spread. With just a breath. The power of our God separated the Red Sea by the blowing of His nostrils. That's my God. Amen. The water stood up as a heap. Tell me, believer, have you ever heaped water? Have you ever piled up water? For our God can. Can you cast your hand out and grab a fistful of stars? For my God can. Can you set ablaze a sun and place it in the middle of the Milky Way? 
put planets around it at that the exact rotation and angle it needs to be to support life on the third one called earth for my God can tell me can you conjure up oxygen from nothing because my God can can you simply speak and one billion creatures take their first breath for my God can he can handle your problems he can handle your debts he can handle your ailments and your lack of peace. Is God big enough to handle this? They're coming for me. I'm owed the debtor. I'm, I'm, I got to square up and I'm, I'm missing out. I need help. My children have gone array and they're gone into the weeds. Is there anyone who will help me? My marriage is on the rock. I'm alone. I feel alone. Is there any help for me in my loneliness? My God can help you. Verse number 9, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword and my hand shall destroy them. Moses and the children of Israel seeing the intentions of Moses and the army that's bearing down on them. He sings that they will pursue and crush, divide the spoil, break families and destroy lives. In verse 10, you blew with your wind, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who was like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who was like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Who was like you, O Lord? As Moses sings. Notice he mentions his name again, L-O-R-D. He calls out his name because in Egypt there were so many gods. It was ridiculous. There was a god for the frogs. There was a god for the locusts. There was a god for the dirt and the Nile. There was a god for Pharaoh. There was a god's cousins and sister. They had a baby and they named him after the pyramids. Every, there was a god for everything. The mice had a god. Everybody and everything was a god. But there's one god above all gods. And he mentions his name over and over. Who was like you, O Lord? Oh, Yahweh, among the gods, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Notice Moses puts holiness there. Truly, that's the scariest part of all of this, that God is holy. He can't come near Moses. He can't come near the children of Israel. And he can't come near this congregation. And he can't come near this preacher because we're not holy. He's the opposite of us. We're worldly. Let's be honest. Now, I'm not worldly. I read my Bible. We're worldly. We're carnal. We're fallen. Because of what Adam did. Like a dry leaf to a lit match. They don't coexist. One will consume the other. And God in His holiness, if He showed up here tonight, He would level us in this whole building because He is holy. So we need an advocate. We need somebody between us. Someone to defend us and not compromise His holiness. And His name is Jesus. Amen. Once you realize how holy God is, then you'll realize you are not. And you need a Savior. So Moses writes, You're majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Yes, He split the Red Sea. That's wonderful. He danced in the, the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we say, that is grand. He shuts the mouth of the lion in Daniel. 
He does some great and wondrous things. But probably the most outstanding and most glorious thing he has ever done was bring forth his son through a, a virgin little girl in Bethlehem. Brought forth his son to live a holy and righteous life. He did good things, holy and righteous. His works were holy and good. Everything he did was good. And he took everything he did that was good and he accredited it to your account and your account. The healings he credited to you. The wisdom he gave to you and righteousness he gives you. Holy, everything that he did, all the works he did, he accredited it to you. And all your sins, all your dirt, all your blaspheming, your anger and unforgiveness and bitterness, he took on to himself. Oh, this is grand and glorious. Wonderful. Mind-boggling. No other God has done this. Buddha didn't do this. Muhammad never did this. Muhammad never deals with sin in Islam. He never deals with it. But only our God does. He takes on your sin and gives you His righteousness. Yes, He didn't split the Red Sea. But He saved me from death, hell, and the grave. That is grand and glorious. And if Moses can sing and compose a song like this, talk about His majesty and His grandeur, how much should we sing on a Sunday morning? Should we mumble through our hymnals? Glory, glory, hallelujah. Should we just look at our watches during the sermon as the preacher proclaims the might and the power of Jesus Christ as He stepped forth from the grave to conquer and save and redeem us and never amen Him? Yes, Moses wrote about the majestic holiness and the glorious deeds of God in the Old Testament and His wonderful wonders. But what are we doing here in the New Testament? The church today, we've gone silent. We don't sing like Moses did. We don't talk about His glorious deeds because we don't remember. We think God is a God among all other gods, lowercase g. That He's just another God. That He's small and He's feeble and He's weak. Verse 12, you stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. By just the stretching out of his hand, God swallowed his enemies. Verse 13, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Thank you, Jesus. That He leads by His steadfast love. Even in the Exodus, we see that He leads His people. And He still does it here today with our church. He leads us today. And notice in the, this, the, the new redemption phrasing here in verse, verse 13, He says, the people whom you have redeemed. That means He has purchased them, captured them, bought them. He bought a people of slavery from Egypt. But hasn't he done the same with those who are gathered here tonight? Weren't there a time when you were a slave to sin and all you wanted to do was sin? You were chained to sin, but yet he saved you and redeemed you. Amen. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. This is the process of sanctification that we read about. 
He has guided us today. When we were saved, it was a change in us. And he guides us day to our abode, that glorious place where Jesus is, where we all go on that final day. Verse 14, the people have heard and trembled. The pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread have fell upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone to your people, O Lord, pass by. To the people pass by whom you have purchased. In verse 15, 16, and 17, Moses is basically writing what Paul wrote later. Or what Jesus said. He says, I established my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Have you ever thought about Jesus was saying the gates of hell will not prevail over the church? You must understand what that means. It means that the church is on the offense. That we're storming the gates of hell. We're going towards the gates of hell. We're tearing down the gates of hell to redeem the people who are in bondage by telling them the gospel. Jesus is saying, my church will storm hell to set the captive free by telling people the gospel of Jesus Christ. But many churches hide and shiver and build bomb shelter church, churches and stay in their little communities and hide and, and, and wait for the rapture. But let it not be said of Riverside. We go out to the streets and we tell people about Jesus. Amen. We do it through our television. We do it through our radio ministry. We do it through our bingo ministry. We do it, we do it with our Rolling Riverside Choir. We, we're reaching people for Jesus. But most of all, we do it through the members who come here, who walk out the door and walk into a holy life, a righteous life, proving that Jesus is God by your lifestyle, preaching the gospel and the good news because you say Jesus set you free from death, hell, and the grave. Amen, Somebody. And notice the enemies all tremble. They're all worried because the army of God, whom God set free, are marching through their territory. And they go and they conquer. They conquer because their God leads them. You need to know tonight, believer, when you leave here and you go back to your respected world, Wherever it is, on the job, at home, in your neighborhood, wherever you go, that you are God's child and you're placed there for a reason, to be a light in a dark place. But preacher, it's so dark where I am. The job is so dark. Where the people are around is so wicked. The darker the atmosphere, the brighter you'll shine. If He sends you to the darkest place, shine all the more and tell of His great and glorious works, how He saved sinners. Amen. No matter if you're laying hands on babies, Swinging a hammer, working beside grown men, working elbow to elbow with other ladies. Tell the good news of Jesus Christ. They should see your holiness. They should see your righteousness and your pursuit to honor Him in all that you do in your endeavors. And terror will fall upon them. They'll know truly there is a God. There's another otherworldliness about you because you belong to Him. And notice as the people pass by through the, 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 the nations, Philistine and all these, uh, uh, Edom and Moab, their hearts melt and Canaan, they melt away. You will bring them and plant them in your own mountain, the place of the Lord where you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Moses sings that God will fulfill what He has promised to His people. 
Tonight, if you're sitting here and you heard promises from years ago that He will give you peace beyond understanding when your mind is kept on Him, Isaiah 26. And you don't feel very peaceful right now, still trust in His promises. you got to have an industrious faith. you got to have your problems in one hand. I'm worried about my children. My body's falling apart. Who's going to take care of me as I get older? What should I do in this situation? What decision should I make? You have your problems in this hand. Yes, every believer here has the problems in one hand. But in your other hand, we have His promises. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Makes this side a little lighter. I will lead you the way you ought to go. This side drops a little more. Now you raise them up the way they ought to go and they by no means will depart. This side is a lot less heavy. I will lay my head down in peace because He watches over me. I will never by any means cast you out. And as you're walking through this life, the troubles and the pains you have in this hand, the white knuckles are gone and you're not holding on as tight. But you look at this hand, the knuckles have grown white as you hold on to His promises and believe that He is faithful to, the, to deliver and do what He says. In verse 18, the Lord will reign forever and ever. Notice, He says forever. That's a long time. Forever. Forever. But notice he goes, and ever. As long as forever is, and ever. Always, never ceasing, always continuing. Verse 19, as Moses stops singing now, and we're getting ready to tie this loose end up for the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea. The Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Ariam, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. Uh-oh, dancing, watch out. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has thrown into the sea. Miriam grabs a trampoline. They start a song. They rejoice. They're redeemed. They didn't simply skip. They didn't go, oh, well, he did a great thing. They dance for they are redeemed. Amen. Sing to the Lord for his triumph gloriously. He triumphed greatly. The horse and the rider has thrown into the sea. Man, I really want to get there. Can y'all hang on for five more verses because this is really good. Can y'all do it? Yeah, okay, let's do it. Don't blame me. You heard the bishop. Verse 22. <laughs> Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. Yes, that was a great triumph, but we got to keep going. We ain't there yet. Believer, God has brought you through some battles, but it ain't over. As long as you're drawing breath, there will be another battle. But trust Him. Believe Him. Follow Him. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. They didn't stop there and set up camp and just declare their independence there. That's not their home. Believer, this ain't your home. Preacher, I'm never comfortable here. I, I don't fit in. Good. This ain't your home. You're only passing through. That house you're living in, you're just using it for now. And if God decides you to move you somewhere else, so be it. If that car you're driving, He's just letting you use it for now. He, the, the clothes on your back, you're just using those for now. You don't truly own anything. He owns you. Amen. Whenever we remember that, we get less materialistic, don't we? We don't hold on to that money so hard. This is my money. I earned it. God gave you the strength. 
The vigor to get up to earn that. For he is God. Now ah, that's a different sermon. Let's keep going. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. Three days in the wilderness and found no water. Verse 23. When they came to Morah. They could not drink the water of Morah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was called Morah. Well, Morah means bitter. If you didn't know that, verse 23. Verse 24. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, What shall we drink? They sounded just like that too. <laughs> what will we drink? Notice they grumbled against Moses. Moses was following God. So they, of course, grumbled against Moses. Moses ain't got nothing to do with it. He's just doing what God told him to do. What will we drink? And here, verse 25, And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log and threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what which he says is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Amen. I got enough time to break this down. We see Moses crying out and God gives a log. He gives some wood to make the waters not bitter anymore. I want you to imagine, believer tonight, you had to go through this life, but there was no Jesus. There was no grace. That sounds mighty bitter, don't it? Too bitter to even drink. You might even call that life a moral life, bitter life, until God supplied some wood and put His Son on the cross. He died and made life a little more sweeter. Sweet by and by. We can sit and enjoy a sunset, but not like a pagan who has no hope. For we look at that sunset and it takes our breath away. But we know that is not the greatest sunset we'll ever see. For truly, there's something greater. There's something better. And His name is Jesus. Amen. Here we see that God told them that if they listen and diligently listen to the voice of the Lord our God and do what's right in His eyes, not what's right in their eyes, not what they want to decide. Not when they set their bylaws and say, well, we'll allow this kind of person in our church and our membership. We'll do this and they can live in the LGBT or we can let anybody be a pastor who wants to be. We'll do this or we'll do that. We can allow people to sleep together. We can do all kinds of stuff. We, 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 we'll, just, we'll set all the rules from here on out, God. We'll let our little white books and our bylaws and our standards uh, surpass what Scripture says. But God says, if you listen to my voice... In verse number 26, the Lord your God and do which I is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for I am the Lord your God, your healer. Amen. That he heals you and he keeps you. Then they went to Elam where there there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees and they encamped there by the water. Verse 27, they call this an oasis where you go and it's almost like a little piece of paradise in the desert. By the time they left Moriah and they got here, they were good, hot, and thirsty. Just so happens there were 12 springs of water, much like 12 disciples. Jesus is our oasis, 
I don't know about y'all. Life is hard and it comes at you hard. Once you walk outside those doors, it's waiting for you right outside the door, ready to hit your phone and hit you in the face. But this is our oasis. As we gather here, and that sweet spring bubbles up, and we drink, and we are revigorated, and we're strengthened. And we know that we have power and strength in a God in heaven who will sustain us and help us to get through the rest of the day and stir us to wake tomorrow. But if He does not, if He does not stir us to wake tomorrow morning, before the undertaker knows you're dead, you'll be standing in the presence of Jesus, giving account for your life, and He'll look you straight in the eye and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Talk about making life a little sweeter. Oh man, we got to finish. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you tonight as we read your scripture and we saw 